Naturally, without discipline, remember last week we talked a lot about discipline. Naturally, without discipline, you and I are a stagnant kind. It's a lot easier to wake up in the morning, grab your favorite snack, and go watch Captain America on the couch for an hour and a half, first two hours of your day, than it is to get up and be disciplined to grow and read your word, to read God's word. It's a lot easier to conform to the immoralities of this world than it is to to possess moral excellence, as Peter has said. It's a lot easier to be immoral. It's a lot easier to hate on everyone that's around you instead of love them. If we do all the things that are easy, we will not be growing, we'll be stagnant. Growth is a choice that you and I have to make every single day. Growth towards Jesus, growth in our relationship with him, growth in the way that he has wired us to live, growth in the gifts that he has given us. It is a choice. Welcome to the PC Youth Pod. Thank you for taking time to listen. This week's message is called Grow Up. Stagnancy is a default. Growth is a choice. Grab your Bibles and something to write with as we get into this week's message. The title of last week's message was A Life Devoted. I love Peter. He was a disciple of Jesus, and I've been reading through First and Second Peter the past few days. So tonight we're going to skip ahead to 2 Peter chapter 1, which is two chapters away, and we're going to talk about growth. Everybody say growth. The title of tonight's message is Grow, 2 Peter chapter 1. As Christians tonight, similar to last week, I'll be talking to the Christians in the room for the majority of this message, and if you are not a Christian or a Christ follower in this room, I am so happy you are here because that could all change and you would make the best decision of your life if you accepted him as your Lord and Savior tonight. So if you're not a Christian, don't feel like you're singled out because tonight could be an altering moment in your life. But as Christians, we are called to grow. We are called to never be satisfied with where we are, but to constantly and continuously model our lives after Jesus. All throughout Scripture, we see very clearly firsthand accounts of how Jesus walked, how he treated people, how he loved those around him. And we are called to model our lives to the best of our ability after that example that he set. How many of you know that the Bible is a gift? The Bible is God's word and it is a gift to you and me that we can dive into every single day, every minute of every day if you'd like, and learn about Jesus. You can learn about God's love for you. It is a gift. It is not something to take for granted. God has placed us on this earth not to be stagnant in our walk with Jesus, but to grow and develop in our faith and to be challenged by Jesus. God, Jesus was an example for us, and he will also challenge us to be more like him. So tonight you must say, you might be saying, what does it look like to grow in my faith? I'm a Christian. What does it look like to continue to grow and model myself after him? How do I grow? What do I do? What are the first steps? It's our duty as Christ followers to stretch ourselves and to stretch those around us to grow in our love for one another and our love for Jesus. How do I grow? What are the first steps? Let me tell you very clearly that tonight... And always, culture is not the guide to completing this mission. If you are trying to complete the mission of of loving those around you, fulfilling the great commission that Jesus set for us to be growing in your faith, if you're trying to do that with culture's point of view, you are not going to win. The guide to growth in your relationship with Jesus is the Bible, and we're going to read it tonight. I'm very excited. Dear Jesus, thank you for this evening. God, thank you for, God, even thank you for McDonald's. Blend it up, Happy Meals. God, but ultimately, all of these fun things that we do are secondary to you and to your word. And God, we are excited to dive in and to hear what you have to speak to us. God, I pray 
that as we dive into Peter, one of your disciples, that, that his words that he wrote a long time ago would land in our hearts tonight in a new way. God, we believe that your word is it's alive and it's active. And no matter how many times we open it, it'll always continue speaking. So tonight we invite your presence into this room. God, we invite you to mess us up. And I mean that in a very real way. God, we invite you to challenge us to break the barrier of distraction. God, we invite you into our hearts and into our lives. We ask all these things in your precious name. Amen. First Peter chapter 4 was, two, was last week. Tonight, two chapters ahead is Second Peter chapter 1. I'm excited to take your Bibles. Turn there with me. Second Peter chapter 1. Tell me if you're there. Someone's on a Rubik's Cube, not the Bible. I can solve Rubik's Cube, by the way. But if you have your Bible, not in 30 seconds anymore. Open up your Bible to 2 Peter chapter 1. We're going to dive in tonight. At the beginning of this passage, in the second letter of Peter, he states that he is writing to those who share the same precious faith, faith that he has. He's writing to the, to the person that has the faith that was given to them because of the justice and fairness of Jesus Christ, our God and Savior. So he's, he's, re, he's writing to, to a group of people back then, but he's also writing to us tonight. And he goes on to say, May God give you more and more grace and peace as you grow in your knowledge of God and Jesus our Lord. So he starts it out addressing who he's talking to, but then he prays for you and for me. And he says, May God give you more peace. Wow, that was gnarly. Voice crack. May God give you more peace, more grace as you grow in your knowledge of Jesus. So we're going to start 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3. Are you there? You're there. Emma's there. There's a few there. 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3, it says this. By his divine power, God has given us everything we need for living in a godly life. He said, God has given you everything you need to live a godly life. We have received all of this by coming to know him, the one who called us to himself by means of his marvelous glory and excellence. And because of his glory and excellence, he has given us great and precious promises. Did you hear me tonight? These are the promises that enable you to share his divine nature and escape the world's corruption caused by human desires. The promise of Jesus allows you and me to share about his nature. And notice in that it didn't say promise, it said promises. Because the promises of Jesus are plural. There is more than one and they are abounding in love. They are abounding in faith. They're all around us. The promises of Jesus are very real. So the promise of Jesus allows you and me to share about his good nature. Because Jesus saves you from this world, you have the privilege, I have the privilege, maybe even an obligation we could say, to tell everyone about it. Through Jesus, you and I have escaped the corruption of this world. These are words of Peter. Through Jesus, you and I have escaped the corruption that the world causes. Let me tell you tonight, let me encourage you tonight, help others too. Because you and I have been privileged enough to hear the good news of Jesus, to be able to say yes to the good news of Jesus, and be able to escape corruption. There's a lot of people around you that have not escaped corruption yet, and they need to. Help them by telling them, by sharing of his good nature, of his promise. Continue in verse 5. In view of all this, make every effort to respond to God's promises. In view of all of this, all of the promises that God has made to you, make every effort to respond to them. Supplement your faith with a generous provision of moral excellence. Moral, moral excellence with knowledge. Knowledge with self-control. Self-control with patient endurance. Patient endurance with godliness. 
Godliness with brotherly affection, brotherly affection with love for everyone. That's a list. I'm going to read it again because I like it. In view of all this, make every effort to respond to God's promises. Supplement your faith with a generous provision of moral excellence, moral excellence with knowledge, knowledge with self-control, self-control with patient endurance, patient endurance with godliness, godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love for everyone. Make every effort to respond to the promise of God. Promises, plural, because God's promises are abundant. They're more than you could imagine. He says, possess moral excellence. Be strong in your values and the morals that you possess. Stand firm in them even and do not conform to the immoralities of this world. The opposite of moral would be immoral. Morality, the opposite would be immorality. There's a lot of immoralities in this world all around us. Withstand from them. Stand strong against them. Possess moral excellence, Peter tells us. He also says, when you have moral excellence... Also have knowledge. Have a strong knowledge of God's word. What it says and commands you to do. Be mindful and knowledgeable about what God has done for you. These are just some things I was thinking about as I was reading. Have knowledge of God's word. And the way you do that is by reading it. I don't know too many people that can say, okay, hey, will you quote me 2 Peter chapter 1, the whole chapter? And I don't know very many people that can do that without having read that chapter before. If you can, come talk to me, because I'd like to know how to somehow know what a chapter is without reading it before. Have knowledge of God's word by reading it, and also remember and be knowledgeable about what God did for you. Because if you're a Christian in here tonight, God has sent his son for you to die. That in and of itself is enough. But because of Jesus' death on the cross and resurrection on the third day, we are washed from all of our sins. Sin was conquered, death was conquered. Any sin that you would be struggling with right now, Jesus has conquered on the cross, and he rose again. Jesus loves you. You are a chosen son. You are a chosen daughter. Be knowledgeable about all of the things God has done for you and for all of those around you. Have knowledge. Also have self-control, Peter says. Be controlled in your language, in the conversations that you engage in. Have self-control in the way you speak to one another. How many around you hear a cuss word a day? Be honest. How many of you are at school and hear a cuss word a day? What did I say? How many of you are a cuss word a day? That makes sense. How many of you hear a cuss word a day? How many of you, how many of you hear five? Straight up. Five, ten, twenty. We could go up to probably like a hundred, a thousand, two thousand. The people, the speech of people around you, the reason I did that exercise the speech of people around you is not godly. The things that you hear people around you saying would probably not be in the Bible. Let's just say, let's just put it that way. So be self-controlled in the conversations you engage in because it could be really easy. A lot of you have said you've heard 20 cuss words a day. It could be really easy for you to repeat that. Have self-control. Withstain from immoral conversations. Withstain from, from bad language. That's just one example. Have self-control. You have to have self-control of every area of your life. Be quick to hear and slow to speak. That takes self-control. Have self-control when you experience temptation. All of us in this room have temptation. It looks different for every single one, some the same. But when you experience temptation before you act on sin, when you're tempted to sin before you act on it, what are you going to do to withstand from sin? 
When you are tempted to do this thing, let's fill in the blank. When you are tempted to do blank, what are you going to do to withstand from it? What are you going to do to control yourself from sinning? Turn on worship music. Open God's word. Say Jesus' name. Pray. What are you going to do? What are you going to control yourself to do when you feel temptation? When you have self-control, you also must be patient. Be a patient person. A lot of us in here do not experience patience. We're not receiving patience from people. Be different because this world is not a patient world. It is fast moving. It, it's quick to get the, what it wants. It's not patient. Be patient. Peter tells us to do so. With patient endurance, also have godliness. Be a great representation of Jesus in all of your interactions. Be a great representation of Jesus in your daily life. There's nothing, this is just me being straight up, there's nothing worse to me when I'm in conversations with maybe someone that doesn't know Jesus or they're, they're experiencing Jesus for the first time or maybe they haven't made a decision for him yet. There's nothing worse when that person says, well, I know a lot of Christians and they don't act like, they, like Jesus. There's nothing worse to me. As Christians, we should be the example for people that aren't Christians yet to follow. And we should make being a Christian attractive, not unattractive. So there's nothing worse than when someone says, ah, I'm interested in Jesus, but there's a lot of people that I know that would say they're Christians and they don't seem like Jesus to me at all. And they're confused. There's nothing worse to me. Live a godly life. Be the best representation for Jesus that you can. Because I promise you, even if you don't realize it, there are people that are watching you, knowing that you go to church, knowing that you are a Christ follower. There are people that are watching you, and they're watching to see if you're different. They're watching to see if you're different and if you live a godly life or, or, or if you're living like them. Because if you live like them, it gives them permission to do what they're already doing. And say, oh yeah, I'm a Christian, but I'm going to do all these things that are not godly. Don't give non-believers permission to sin. Live as close to a sinless life as you can. With patient endurance comes godliness. You must also possess godliness. With godliness have brotherly affection. Love those around you, just as you would love a brother. And with brotherly affection, I love this, love everyone. I say this a lot. We are not called to love people that we like. Sorry, we are not just called to love people that we like. We are called to love people that we like that are easy to love, but also the person in your math class that shouts out the answer every time the teacher asks and you get annoyed. That's the, a horrible example. But there are people in your life, in your daily life, that, that you would be around that just irk you and you cannot handle it. Your flesh cannot stand them. I'm being real tonight. All of us have human flesh. All of us are human. All of us are prone to sin. So because of that, we, there are people in our lives that we don't naturally get along with, and we go like this. Peter says, love them. Just as you would love your brother and show affection to them or sister, love that person in your math class that you get so annoyed with every time they raise their hand. Probably because they're right all the time and you're not, but that's a different conversation. Peter says, grow in all of these areas. Now watch this, verse 8. The more you grow like this, the more productive and useful you will be in your knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. This is important. But those who fail to develop in this way 
He's talking about failing to develop in those areas that we just discussed. Those who fail to develop in this way are short-sighted or blind, forgetting that they have been cleansed from their old sins. That's heavy. The more you grow to possess the characteristics of Jesus, the more productive you will be in your walk with him. The more productive you will be in modeling Jesus to others, the more productive you will be in your relationship personally with him, the more productive you will be, let's, the list goes on. But those who fail to develop in the characteristics of Jesus, the more that the people that fail to, to grow in their walk with him, they are blind and short-sighted, Peter says, and they forget that they have been cleansed from their sins. They forget that they have been cleansed from their sins. Stop taking Jesus' shed blood on the cross for granted. That's really real. Jesus shed his blood on the cross for you and for me. And Peter says that there's some people that forget that he did that for them. Because they are refusing to grow as God has called us to. Do not take Jesus shedding his blood for you for granted. I'm talking to yourself just as I'm, I'm talking to myself just as much as I'm talking to you. None of us in here are perfect. We must never forget or take for granted the sacrifice that Jesus made on the cross. Because he literally shed blood. He literally died. Some of you in here might have this like off view of Jesus. And he was, maybe you think he's just, maybe you think he was, I don't even know. But Jesus was man. I hope you know this. Jesus was man. He felt the exact same pain that you and I felt, feel. So imagine yourself hanging on the cross, shedding blood, to die for a world full of sin. You can't imagine it. He felt that pain for you, so don't take it for granted. He felt it for you. He felt it for me. Jesus was a man, and he felt real pain. He experienced real temptation. Never sinned, but anything that you are walking with, anything that you carry in here, Jesus conquered. He conquered on the cross, and he conquered it when he rose again. Stop taking his blood that he shed for you for granted. If we are not growing, Peter basically tells us we are forgetting what Jesus did. Jesus, never let us forget what you did for us. Forgive us if we have. It should be our desire, yours and mine, as Christians, to grow, and by growing we will remember what Jesus did and at the same time honor him for it. By growing in our relationship with him, by growing in our, in our spiritual giftings, by growing in, in the way that we love one another, we will be honoring Jesus for what he did for us. Because all these characteristics that Peter listed, moral excellence, brotherly affection, knowledge, self-control, all these things is what Jesus possessed. And he's telling us to grow to be like him. Verse 10, we're going to read the whole chapter tonight. Dear brothers and sisters, work hard to prove that you really are among those who, called, who, who God has called and chosen. Prove that you really are among those that God has called and chosen. Do these things, and you will never fall away. Then God will give you a grand entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. It should be the desire of our hearts tonight to prove that Jesus has saved us. Again, when, when we're at our school, it should be evident that you are a Christ follower. A lot of you are afraid to be different. I was. A lot of us are afraid to be different. Being different in the right mindset, being different because you are a Christian is a good thing. 
and you've probably heard this a lot, but people that are not saved see the way you act different, and they are actually, they may be making fun of you for it, but I promise you they're actually intrigued. And because you are different, because you have a self-controlled mouth, because you love when others don't love, because you show brotherly affection when others don't, because you have knowledge of God's word when other people don't even know what the Bible is, because you have moral excellence and possess good morals, people will notice and they'll be intrigued. Use those characteristics that God has shown us in Jesus. Use them to grow them in yourself and be a witness for Jesus. That was a long sentence. But the characteristics of God, the characteristics of his son Jesus should be evident in you and me if we're Christians, if we are Christ followers. And if people notice that we are different because of it, what an opportunity we have to go back into the top of this chapter and share his nature with others. What an opportunity. This is my main point tonight. Stagnancy is a default. Being stagnant is default. That's what we're all wired to do because we're sinners. Being stagnant is a default. Growth is a choice. Naturally, without discipline, remember last week we talked a lot about discipline. Naturally, without discipline, you and I are stagnant kind. It's a lot easier to wake up in the morning, grab your favorite snack, and go watch Captain America on the couch for an hour and a half, first two hours of your day, than it is to get up and be disciplined to grow and read your word, to read God's word. It's a lot easier to conform to the immoralities of this world than it is to to possess moral excellence, as Peter has said. It's a lot easier to be immoral. It's a lot easier to hate on everyone that's around you instead of love them. If we do all the things that are easy, we will not be growing. We will be stagnant. Growth is a choice that you and I have to make every single day. Growth towards Jesus, growth in our relationship with him, growth in the way that he has wired us to live, growth in the gifts that he has given us. It is a choice. If you're here tonight and you, and you think that Christianity is just something that naturally happens, if you think that relationship with Jesus is just something, something that naturally happens, I'm sorry to tell you, but you're wrong. You have to choose Jesus every single day. Just as a husband has to choose their wife and a wife has to choose their husband every single day, just as a boyfriend has to choose their girlfriend and no one else and a girlfriend has to choose their boyfriend, just because you have to choose your family as your family has to choose you, you must choose Jesus because he has chosen you. You have to choose him every single day. And by choosing him, you are committing to read his word, God's word. You are choosing to pray. You are committing to pray and be in relationship with him and communication with him. You are choosing to grow and give back the spiritual gifts that he's given you. We're talking a lot about servant leadership and volunteering around this church. You have all been given spiritual gifts, God-given gifts, and it is our duty to give them back to him. I forgot to tell you this earlier, but we're having Sunday evening small groups at 6 p.m. A lot of you are going to be serving on Sunday morning for the first time. If you need a servant leader application, come find me. We'll get you an application. We have to get you through the whole process. But if you're serving, there's still something at 10 a.m. Come to the coffee shop at 10 a.m., grab a donut, grab a coffee, and go serve for that hour. And then we're going to meet at 6 p.m. I forgot to tell you that. That was administrative. But give your spiritual gifts back to him. Choose to do all these things. Stagnancy is a default. Stagnancy is a default. We're all sinners. Naturally, we are sinners. You have to choose to not to be. 
Choose to grow towards Jesus every single day. Honor Jesus in the blood that was shed for you by growing to be more like him. This is a good example, and it's really, really cheesy. So hang on with me. If you have a plant, this plant's fake, pretend it's real. If you have a plant, all of you already know what I'm going to say, but if you have this plant and it's on your counter, Corey loves plants. Corey loves plants. But if Corey has this plant and it's on our windowsill and it looks good, it looks dead right now, but I promise it's fake and it's actually alive. So just bear with me. But if you have a plant and it's sitting on your shelf and it goes a week without being watered, naturally it's not growing. Right? If it's not being watered, naturally that plant is not growing. Actually, it's dying. If this plant is not being watered, it is naturally going to die because it needs life. It needs water. It needs sunlight. If I wake up every morning, if Corey, again, actually in the example, if Corey chooses to wake up in the morning and water this plant and place it in sunlight, it'll continue to grow. You must water your life. Bear with me in the example. The word of God is water. It brings you life. Personal time with Jesus is water. It gives you life. It brings you life. You must water your life with godly things just as you would have to water a plant to stay alive. Because if not, naturally you will die. Naturally you will die. That was a really cheesy example, but it made so much sense. We must water our lives with the word. We must water our lives in prayer. We must water our lives with the things of Jesus to be more like him and grow. So hear me tonight. Growth is important. Growth towards Jesus is important. Growing in your relationship with him is important. Peter has told us that. But hear me, this is important. Growth must take place with the right motive. Hear me. If you are growing... And doing all these good things to glorify yourself. Hear me. If you are growing to glorify yourself, please stop. Seriously, stop it. Because your attitude needs to change. If you, if you are growing and bettering yourself and, and exercising and eating well and doing all these things, those are all good things. But if you're doing it to bring glory to yourself because you think you will look good to others, you are doing it for the wrong reason. You are missing the point. If you are practicing chess because you want to be the best chess player in the world and you are putting in countless hours, choosing to put in countless hours to get good at chess. You all know what chess is. You're choosing to put in countless hours to get good at chess, all to bring glory to yourself because you want to be the one with all the accolades. You want to be the one that's head of the chess club. You want to be the one with the chess medal. You are doing it for the wrong reason. Chess could be a God-given gift. With the right motive, a good chess player could bring glory to Jesus. Because if they choose to grow with the right motive and say, I'm doing everything I can, but the gift that God has given me is not from, not from this earth. It's from someone greater than me, and I'm choosing to give it back to him. It would be really cool for a chess player to get up. I don't, they have chess in the Olympics. It'd be really cool for a chess player to get up in the Olympics if it exists and say, I didn't grow just to get good at chess. I grow to show that God used me to be good at chess. It's a good, not a good example again, but 
Don't, bring, don't grow to glorify yourself. You can do a lot of good things, but if you do them to glorify yourself, I promise you're missing it. Because you, when you bring glory to yourself and you make things about you and you self-center yourself into a given situation, you are setting yourself up for a rude awakening. There will be a point when you realize that this world does not revolve around you and you will fall. So if you're coasting in life and you feel like it's easy and you don't need Jesus that much and you're doing all these things to bring yourself all the fame, all your, yourself all the popularity to bring accolades upon yourself, you're in for a rude awakening. I'm just being real. Because it's not about you. The world does not revolve around you. The one that created you actually created this world and he created this world to show how powerful and mighty and miraculous he is. So growth must take place with the right motive. At the same time, what are we choosing to grow into? Bear with me. All the things that Peter tells us to grow into and grow in in this passage are good. They're godly things. They're, they're Christ characteristics. Jesus carried them. But if you are choosing to grow, hence the quotation marks, if you're choosing to grow into negative things, you're not growing actually. If you choose to, to indulge in, in sinful things of this world, if you choose to indulge in pornography, if you choose to indulge in alcohol, if you choose to think you're growing in, in whatever it is, something negative, you're actually not growing. If you're, putting all of, if you're choosing to put all of your energy into something that is not godly, you're not growing. The opposite of growth is decay. So if you're pursuing things that will grow, you will live. It brings life. But if you're choosing to pursue things that the world offers, you will decay. Growth brings life. Decay brings death. So if you continue to decay because you are indulging in unholy things, you will die. The horrifying truth is that if we live in the sinful nature of this world and don't choose to live in what God has called us to, death is waiting for us. It's a terrifying truth. And I pray every single day that none of you have to experience it. But if we don't choose to choose Jesus every single day, there is another option. If you're choosing to grow into things not of Jesus, I don't have to tell you what your option is. And I'm just being really real. I say it every week. I'm all about being real. The opposite of growth is decay. Decay leads to death. Growth brings life. I want to live for Jesus. I want to experience eternity in heaven with him. The Bible tells us that if the moment we commence that Jesus Christ is our Lord and Savior, you shall be saved. Choose Jesus. Don't choose the unholy things that this world offers us. Choose growth. Choose to grow with the motive of glorifying Jesus, not glorifying yourself. Grow in the model that Jesus laid out for you and for me. Grow in your faith so that you are a living evidence of God's goodness. Grow so that it is clear you are willing to allow God to use you for his purposes. There are not many things more encouraging than someone coming up to you out of the blue and saying, I see God's handiwork in your life. I see how you allow him to shape you and mold you. I see how you... I see how you are ready to take on anything he puts in, ahead of you. 
There's not many things more encouraging than that, especially when it's someone that doesn't even know you. And they say, Gavin, I see how you are, you are allowing God to shape your life. They say, Aiden, I, I see how you are a living vessel for Jesus. They say, Hudson, I see that God is at the center of your life. I don't know you, but I see it's evident. Jonah, I see that you're different. Thank you for letting God be at the center of your life. There's something encouraging about that. When you choose Jesus, other people notice. Grow in your faith so that more people will know Jesus because of the boldness that you have, because of the relationship you have with him, because of the way you've let him develop you. Jesus is the perfect example of this. All of the miracles that he performed on this earth, all of them that we can read about in scripture, he never brought glory to himself. He always gave, gave thanks back to his father that created him and sent him here on this mission. Did you know that? Jesus glorified his heavenly father who is actually you and I's heavenly father. It was never about him. Grow in your biblical discipline. Grow in the way you view school, the attitude in which you attend school. Grow in your personal prayer time. Grow in your boldness to tell others about Jesus. Grow in the way you love people but that you don't naturally like. Grow in your willingness to put others before you. Come on, somebody. Grow in the way you put others before you. Grow by surrounding yourself with like-minded, God-centered people. Grow in your strength to stand up for what is right. Grow in your moral excellence. Grow to be more like Jesus and grow to surround yourself with the things of him. Days. The list could go on for days. But we must grow. That should be our disposition because naturally, naturally we are stagnant. We must choose growth, growth towards Jesus. Worship team, will you join me? I'm going to read the rest of this passage. A lot of us tonight in this room have heard this message before. You understand the, the importance of growth in your relationship with Jesus. You understand that it's important to, to grow to be more like him. You understand all these things. We already know it. And you know the magnitude of what Jesus did for you. You've heard this message before. We know the example he set, but tonight, never forget it. If you've heard this before, let this be a reminder. Never forget what Jesus did for you and what he's called you to. And if you've never heard this message before, if you've never heard what Jesus has done for you and what he's called you to, this is your night. Because Jesus loves you. He will never forsake you. And even now, there's some of you in here that have said, Spencer, I've heard that before, and you're turning me off. Maybe you need to hear it more than someone else does. And the enemy's trying to get you distracted. Jesus loves you. He will never forsake you. A lot of you, maybe in here tonight, have been forsaken by your, by your earthly parents, maybe by your earthly father. Your heavenly father loves you, and he's called you to grow to be more like his son. No one in here tonight is saying that it's easy. No one in here is saying it's easy to choose growth. And like I said last week, it's not easy, but I promise the path that growing is headed towards is worth it. The opposite is not. I love what Peter says at the end of this passage. In verse 12, he says, 
Therefore, I will always remind you about these things. So he said all this to us already, giving us examples of how to grow and what to be like and to follow Jesus and to live more like him. He said, therefore, I will always remind you about these things. Basically saying, even if you've heard it before, I'm still going to remind you. Some of you have heard this before, but you're still being reminded. Even though you already know them and you're standing firm in the truth that you have been taught, it is only right that I should keep on reminding you as long as I live. This is Peter talking. For our Lord Jesus Christ has shown me that I must soon leave this earth. So I will work hard to make sure you always remember the things after I'm gone, these things after I'm gone. You sense the urgency in Peter in this letter. He said, it's my duty to remind you over and over and over and over until Jesus comes back to take us home, that we must grow, that we must choose to follow him, that he loves you, that he's promised these things to you. So if that's, if that's Peter's attitude, it's definitely mine, and I hope it's yours tonight. To constantly remember and remind of the promises of God, the characteristic of Jesus, the call to growth. He says, for we were not making up clever stories when we told you about the powerful coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. We weren't making it up. We saw his majestic splendor with our own eyes when he received honor and glory from God the Father. The voice from the majestic glory of God said to him, this is my dearly loved son who brings me great joy. We ourselves heard that voice from heaven when we were with him on the holy mountain. Peter says, because of that experience, we have even greater confidence in the message proclaimed by the prophets. He's talking about the prophets in the Old Testament that talked about the coming of Jesus and what he would do on this earth. They even have greater confidence because of the experience on the holy mountain. Peter says, you must pay close attention to what they wrote for their words are like a lamp shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the Christ and Christ the morning star shines in your hearts. Above all, you must realize that no prophecy in scripture ever came from the prophet's own understanding or from human initiative. No, those prophets were moved by the Holy Spirit and they spoke from God. Maybe some of you in here tonight have doubted the truth of Jesus. Maybe you doubt what, what the Bible says. I'm here to tell you that the, the Bible is the realest book. It's God's own words. It's God's own heart for you and for me. And Peter just told you that, that the prophets, when they were talking about the coming of Jesus, they didn't make it up. It was the Holy Spirit moving in them and it was God speaking to them and they shared it with others. And the prophecy in the Old Testament came to fruition in the new when Jesus was born and when he walked this earth, and when he died for you and for me, and when he rose again, it wasn't made up. And Peter reminds us that he has great confidence, and he must remind us over and over of these things. Imagine reading this letter for the first time, years and years ago. And maybe you doubted, and you, and you said, I don't, I've heard this, but I don't see it in my life. Or maybe imagine reading it tonight like we just did. And right now you're doubting what God has called you to. You don't, you don't understand how he could be real or how he could move in your life or how you could follow him. I promise the words of Peter are true, to, are true then and they're true now. Jesus is real. He is alive. He is not made up when you feel stagnant, when you're lacking motivation to choose growth, remember the power of Jesus and what he did for you. 
Remember that he is coming back. This earth is not our home and he's coming back to save you from it. Remember that we have a duty to fulfill the great commission because this earth is not where we are gonna exist forever. If you are a Christ follower in this, in this room tonight, you are destined for heaven. And maybe you're in this room tonight and you haven't made that choice and you want eternity with Jesus, tonight is your night. It's hard to choose growth, I know. It takes biblical discipline. It takes being earnest in prayer. From the words of Peter, be earnest in prayer. He said that in 1 Peter chapter 4. It takes discipline. It, it takes a choice because if you don't choose growth, you will die naturally. When you feel stagnant, remember what Jesus did for you. There was no one else that I, that I want to devote my life to than Jesus. There's no one else that I want to devote to grow closer to than Jesus. Jesus brings life. Jesus is water. It should be our, our desire to honor him by growing closer to him. Will you stand with me tonight? To stay caught up with everything happening, check us out at peopleschurch.com as well as on Instagram at PC Youth Salem.